On December 3, 1963, Louis Armstrong walked into a New York City studio for what would be one of his most significant recording sessions. The nation was still mourning the assassination of President John F. Kennedy just 11 days before. Two days before this session, Armstrong and his band, the All-Stars, played a concert in Massachusetts, and Armstrong ended it by playing a solo chorus of God Bless America and dedicating it to Kennedy's memory. This was the first time Armstrong had been in a studio since 1961. During his more active years, if Armstrong was in a studio, it would be to record an album. But on this day, they were doing just two songs, which would go on each side of a 45 RPM single. One was A Lot of Living to Do from Bye Bye Birdie. The other was from a new musical that was on its way to Broadway called Dolly, A Damned Exasperating Woman. Armstrong looked at the sheet music to the song, which was called Hello Dolly, and shook his head in dismay. It was two minutes and 30 seconds of fluff, not challenging musically or vocally. But Louis Armstrong was a pro's pro, and despite his low spirits, he was determined to put as much into his performance as possible. The producer of the session, a guy named Mickey Cap, was a little in awe of Armstrong, but still he ventured a suggestion to change the first line of the song to, Hello Dolly, this is Louie Dolly. Armstrong replied immediately, it's not Louie, it's Lewis. Hello Dolly, this is Louis Dolly. It's so nice to have you back where you belong. You looking swell, Dolly. I can tell, Dolly. You still blowing, you still Louis Armstrong blowing, hadn't had a hit on the pop charts in seven years since Mac the Knife in 1956. But that was about to change in a major way. I'm starting to think that maybe we should do a potluck thing. Potluck, potluck. The potluck is going really great. A potluck. Seriously. Seriously. This is the Incredible Inman's Pop Culture Potluck. Welcome to the Potluck. I'm David Inman. It's generally accepted now that Louis Armstrong was one of the great jazz men of the 20th century. Born and raised in New Orleans, he grew up in poverty, living part of the time with his grandmother and part with his mother. His father deserted the family shortly after Louis was born. He first heard jazz in the town's Storyville section, the city's red light district. At the time, the focus was on a full ensemble playing a tune, no soloists. The music was intriguing to Armstrong, but learning to play an instrument was out of the question. Family finances were too tight. Then when he was a little over 10, Armstrong got into trouble by firing his stepfather's blank gun into the air and was sent to what was called the Colored Waif's Home. It was a spare, bleak place run like a military camp, but there was one ray of sunlight, a band. Armstrong joined as a cornet player. He was later released into the custody of his father, but ended up living with his mother again. 
Within a few years, he was playing in brass bands and on riverboats, and his musical career began. Armstrong's musical skill was augmented by his sunny stage presence. He had expressive eyes, a broad smile, and a strong lower jaw that led to his nickname, Satchel Mouth, simplified to Satchmo. He was a pioneer of the jazz solo and one of the first to employ scat singing. Audiences loved to watch him as much as they loved to listen to him. Yes, he was one of the founders of the uniquely American art form that is jazz, but he was also an irrepressible, irresistible performer. The gospel singer Mahalia Jackson once said, If you don't like Louis Armstrong, you don't know how to love. Armstrong rose in fame during the 1920s and 30s, not just through his songs. Bing Crosby admired Armstrong so much he cast him in a movie or two. And in 1937, he became the first African-American performer to host his own radio show, replacing Rudy Valley when Valley took the summer off. Into the 1950s, Armstrong became a kind of unofficial ambassador of music. He was a legend who could pack concert halls around the world from Egypt to Denmark. Here's Wynton Marsalis. I think that was his gift. He was able to turn the, the light of the human soul on. And every time he breathed a note, either playing or singing, he could, he could uplift our spirits and, and the heavens would open up and we would begin to see the world and feel the world in a different way. Louis Armstrong was one of the greatest human beings to ever set foot on this planet. He gave us a healing that still sits with us. Armstrong's longtime manager, Joe Glazer, had suggested that he record Hello, Dolly. No one had any idea that the song or the Broadway show would be a success. It was a musical based on the Thornton Wilder play, The Matchmaker, and it was set in the 1890s. The Matchmaker was a woman named Dolly Levi who was returning to her profession and really to life after mourning the death of her husband. Now Dolly was determined to marry again, and the target of her efforts was a cranky merchant named Horace Vandergelder. The song Hello Dolly is a centerpiece of Act Two. It's performed by Dolly and a troupe of dancing waiters in an elaborate number when Dolly returns at long last to the Harmonia Gardens restaurant where she had once been a regular. After the Hello Dolly recording session, Armstrong began preparing for a gig in Puerto Rico over the holidays. It's a pretty good bet that Hello Dolly was out of his thoughts almost as soon as he walked out of the studio. While Armstrong was away, Glazer received an acetate of the single and realized it was an immediate hit. But it wasn't even on Armstrong's radar. In early January, he did a week as co-host of The Mike Douglas Show. He played 22 songs with the All-Stars. Hello Dolly wasn't among them. At about the same time, the composer of the song, Jerry Herman, was in Detroit with the company en route to Broadway. The show was still being called Dolly, a Damned Exasperating Woman. That is, it was until someone played Armstrong's recording. That's the title of your show, someone said. That's going to sell a million copies. In mid-January, Hello Dolly opened on Broadway with Carol Channing in the title role. The show was a hit. Glazer called Armstrong, who was on the road, and urged him to add the song to his act. 
but no one in the band could remember how it went, and they couldn't find a recording. So one was flown out from New York. The first time Armstrong performed it on stage, he took eight curtain calls. I was seven years old in the winter of 1964, and I vividly remember how Hello Dolly swept the nation. One of the keys to its appeal was that everybody liked it, from grandparents to grandchildren. It didn't appeal to just one segment of the audience the way rock and roll sometimes did. My brother Steve was four or five at the time, and he developed his own Louis Armstrong impression, which was a big hit at family parties. TV came calling, and Joe Glazer negotiated a guest spot for Armstrong on the ABC variety show, The Hollywood Palace. But before the taping of that show, there was also an offer from the CBS quiz show, What's My Line? That show ended every episode with a mystery guest. The celebrity panelists were blindfolded. The blindfolds for the women's celebrities were lined with pearls. And they had to guess the guest's identity with very minimal verbal help. Armstrong appeared on the March 22nd show. He entered to tumultuous applause and walked to the blackboard where all guests signed in. He wrote Satchmo. Answering questions in a falsetto, Armstrong was able to fool the panelists for a while. Arlene Francis asked if he was piano virtuoso Van Cliburn. But panelist Dorothy Kilgallen guessed it was Armstrong, and then the banter began between the guest and the panel, and Arlene Francis spoke up. I have a request, John. Yes, sir. I mean, I'm tired of playing it on the, on the Victrola, <laughs> on the hi-fi. Sing me Hello, Dolly. <laughs> Hello, Dolly. This is Louis. <laughs> Dolly. Mighty glad to be where you belong. Right. <laughs> That kind of performance almost never happened on What's My Line because the producers didn't want to pay for the music rights. But it did happen, and Joe Glazer had to explain to the producers of the Hollywood Palace why their TV show wouldn't be the first to feature Armstrong singing Hello, Dolly. On May 9, 1964, Hello, Dolly and Armstrong made a kind of pop music history. It became the number one song on the Billboard Hot 100 displacing the Beatles, who had held the top spot for the previous 14 weeks with three consecutive songs. And at age 62, Armstrong became the oldest performer to date with a number one song. It would remain in the Hot 100 for 22 weeks, longer than any other record produced that year. It was also one of the last show tunes to be number one. And that prediction was wrong. Armstrong's recording didn't sell a million copies. It sold three million. 
Armstrong was suddenly hot again, making the jump from jazz star to pop music icon. This was the heyday of the variety show, and he made almost all of them. Shows hosted by Dean Martin, Danny Kaye, Ed Sullivan, and Jackie Gleason. He'd upped his price to five figures. Everyone paid it. And no Louis Armstrong concert was complete without Hello, Dolly. In 1967, someone asked him how many times he'd sung it. However many you want to say, he replied. Do it every show. And you gotta admit, Pops, it gets the biggest hand of any number I do. As for Hello, Dolly! The Show, it won 10 Tony Awards and ran on Broadway for 2,844 performances. Channing was eventually replaced in the role by Ginger Rogers, Mary Martin, Ethel Merman, Pearl Bailey, Betty Grable, and Phyllis Diller, among others. It's also been endlessly revived. Bette Midler won a Tony as Dolly in 2017. For the film version, uh, Barbara Streisand was cast as Dolly, and the producers knew that the public wouldn't accept the movie version of Hello, Dolly without featuring the guy who owned the song. Armstrong had spent the ensuing years doing a few more vocal recordings, including What a Wonderful World, which incidentally wasn't an immediate hit. And in May 1968, he flew to Hollywood and shared the stage with Barbara Streisand. They did a chorus of Hello, Dolly, reportedly in one take. It took half a day, and then Armstrong went over to the Disney Studios to start recording a new album called Satchmo Sings Disney Songs. Louis Armstrong died on July 6, 1971, a month shy of his 70th birthday at his home in Queens. The official cause was a heart attack, but he'd had a history of congestive heart failure. Epitaphs poured in from around the world, but none of them was more succinct or appropriate than this one from Duke Ellington. He said, He was born poor, died rich, and never hurt anyone on the way. The Incredible Inman's Pop Culture Potluck is written, researched, and narrated by me, David Inman. Thanks for listening. If you listen to us on iTunes, please consider subscribing to the show and also rating us. That helps other people find us. See you later.
Our old favorite songs from way back when. Sun. 